WPC Smash, where wrestling and pop culture smash together. We are your hosts. I am Mike Marin. And I am Ian Wilson. We love wrestling. And you love wrestling. So let's smash the start button on today's podcast. Oh my god! Alright, alright. Welcome to WPC Smash. What up, what up, what up? I am Ian Wilson and this is... Mike Marin. And Smashers, we have a full podcast for you today. Definitely uh, hope everybody... Had a good week, and uh, I can tell you we did, and we got a lot of stuff to talk to you guys about, so let's jump right into it, man. Mike Moran, what's going down on your side of town? Let's do it. All right, well, let me tell you. Well, first off, I had a little bit of stuff on my mind from the last episode we posted, and I just wanted to clear the air a little bit. Um... I, I feel like I stumbled a little bit when I was talking about the Super Nintendo to arcade Turtles in Time differences, if you will. Sure. So, um, one thing I just wanted to clear up, um, the F-Zero effect I was talking about, it's called Mode 7 on Super Nintendo. It's a Super Nintendo, like almost like a Super Nintendo-only feature where... It's like a first person, and that's why the Super Nintendo version of Turtles in Time had the Technodrome level where you would throw the Foot Clan at the screen. Yeah. Because without Mode 7, you weren't able to do that. So, just wanted to clear that up. It was just on my mind, and I figured, hey, why not? Let's bring it up, you know? Absolutely. But, hey, other than that, man, um, so one thing I always pretty much want to talk about is F-U-N-K-O, Funko. What's his name-o? Funko, baby. We got some Funko stuff. Uh, it's primarily Mickey Mouse. So I'm like a Disney mark, if you will. And Mickey Mouse has its 90th anniversary from, you know, being created and, you know, having their first Steamboat Willie, what have you. So with that, a lot of 90th anniversary Mickey Mouse stuff going on. And Funko definitely stepped up to the plate. So we have one of those 10-inch, those giant pops, again, that you can find at Target. It's a black and white Mickey. It's pretty huge. It's pretty awesome looking. Um, I've actually seen them in the wild, but um, I'm saving some funds right now. We'll get into that just a little bit later. But um, So we got that. There's actually a Michael's Craft Store Funko exclusive, which is a little weird. Like Everyone's kind of jumping into the exclusives. but Sure, everybody wants a piece of that. Get people in the door so you can uh, they can buy something else yeah, when they're right. coming there looking for that. So it's a DIY. Do it yourself. It's, it's a blank canvas. It's just a white little statue of Mickey Mouse, and you can paint it however you want. But like you said, now they're at Michael's, they're going to have to buy some paint. So 
Michael's got you right there. That's um, pretty cool. You could do like Mickey Mouse with a Bullet Club T-shirt or something like that. <laughs> yeah, man. If your skills are tight enough, yeah, that'd be cool. That that'd be actually pretty killer. I didn't even think of it like that. I'm like, oh, here now his pants are red. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. All right. So then there's also a Gamer Mickey, which is a GameStop exclusive. It's pretty cool. I think it really got uh, us average gamers down. He's wearing a hoodie. He's wearing a baseball cap and his uh, headset, and he has an Xbox controller. Like, nice. That's pretty cool for Mickey Mouse, you know. And then also with Disney, uh, they got some Aladdin pops coming out. Um, the chase is Princess Jasmine when she's like in the streets with the um, like her hood up. Oh, that's cool. The chase has her hand out holding the apple. Nice. The regular one doesn't have the apple. That's different. Yeah. Yeah, and then something I thought was pretty cool. Um, I believe one of my buddies actually picked it up. It's the Iron Man light up pop. So cool concept that lights up like. Everything that would light up on, you know, Iron Man suit, the chest, the eyes. But then you got to let it, you got to open it and let it breathe, you know? Like, some people, I collect Funkos and I don't open them. So, it's cool to have, but, you know, you really can't open them. But that was pretty much all I had this week. It wasn't very um, super exciting on my part. Um, so, I'm going to hit you with that hot tag, brother. All right, man. I got a few things. Uh, definitely... You know, video game wise, uh, I picked up a, a mini arcade from Amazon, uh, fairly cheap. Uh, it's like 30, 35 bucks. And uh, it's basically uh, some Chinese ripoff with 160 Sega games or 130. Wow. A lot of Sega games. And uh, it's cool, man. It, I know uh, a couple episodes ago we talked about the Neo Geo mini arcade, which was. All the rage for a, a, a like one minute basically, <laughs> yeah. and um, this is a, a cheaper, um, pretty cool version of that basically. Um, and this mini arcade has all the things that we didn't like about the Neo Geo. You can uh, recharge the battery and bring mm-hmm. it along with you. It's got a rechargeable battery. That's the main thing. Color screen, light up marquee. All super cool, super crisp looking, and it's basically got a ton of Sega games. All the Sega games you'd want. I like playing Hyperstone Heist on it. Um, I was playing some Altered Beast the other day. The mechanics are really cool. It feels really good. It's small. It's definitely a nostalgia thing. It's not something you'd sit down and try to beat the game on. But, you know, hanging out on the couch or having it on the coffee table for when people come over and they can mess around with it real quick. Super cool little uh, arcade machine. I'll post a link to it on Twitter. Um, It's basically like a no-name thing. It's not like Sega made it and you can type it in and stuff like that. But we'll post a link on Twitter so people can check them out. They got different wraps on them. Uh, The one I got is a Street Fighter wrap. So it's got, you know, Street Fighter decals all over it and stuff like that. And it looks pretty cool. But there's a couple other ones that you can pick from. Essentially, the gameplay is all the same. You can just make it look different, you know, make depending on own. which one you buy. You know, there's, like, options. Oh, you know, yeah, you yeah. can't really make it your own. But this is the one I like. Yeah, and, right. And right. you might like one that's different, you know what I mean? Uh, so that it, the, that's pretty cool. Um, another big thing is, you know, Black Ops 4 is uh, swinging into full gear. All the pros are uh, scrimming with each other and posting their videos on YouTube. So I love watching that. Um, shout out to... John Fafford, uh, good friend of the shows and uh, of us in in real life, basically. And uh, I know he's into watching the pros play some Call of Duty, too. So 
Um, we're going to go back and forth on, you know, who's our favorite team this year <laughs> and, and who's the best, uh, you know, sub runner and who's the best assault guy in the game. And it'll be really cool to uh, get back into some some pro league Call of Duty. And the actual first tournament is going to kick off at the beginning of December, the first week in De- December. That's going to be in Las Vegas. And we're going to see, like, you know, when it's all real, so all scrims set aside and messing around, put aside, uh, you know, where all the teams are at, Optic, 100 Thieves, MV, um, Phase. We're going to see who's ready to go for uh, Black Ops 4, and I'm super excited to see it, man. I've uh, been playing you know, as much Black Ops 4 as I can, not as much as I would have played in an older Call of Duty game when I had a lot more time before, you know, children and stuff like that. But I got to tell you, man, the more I play it, the more I like it. Um, I like how much... Uh, different aspects of the game there is but it's not so different that you know it's not call of duty anymore there's no jetpacks and stuff like that but there's enough new elements to the game that uh you know keep me excited man the more i play it the more i like it it's crisp it's smooth we've talked about it before but what i'm really excited for is to see the pros get at it you know the guys who are the really the best in the world play some call of duty and so i love checking that out cwl um mlg you can find all that stuff on youtube and twitch and and watch it yourself um, I opened up my brick of hero clicks that we talked about. Uh, it yeah. was uh, Battle World and super good pulls. I, you know, I got uh, pretty much all the pieces that I wanted, which is huge. Whenever you're, you know, buying something that's collectible and you're blind pulling, as you would call it, you're never, you're never really gonna get all the stuff that you want. But I, I pulled a super good case. I got Prime Thanos. I got um, a chase out of the brick, which is, you know not always guaranteed and uh a couple other figures and basically you know with some quick research on coolstuffinc.com i pretty much doubled my money off of five figures and uh there's 45 other figures in the case so i i mean i'm feeling super good about my pulls this time i grab a brick of every uh new set that comes out and i've been doing this for uh, about a year and this is by far the best brick that I've pulled. So I'm feeling super good about it. I don't sell anything. I keep it. Uh, they make cool displays and collectible and stuff like that. So um, being the collector, you know, I'm going to hang on to everything. But, you know, I, I got my money's back by a That's lot awesome. this time, which, awesome. which doesn't always happen. And uh, so I was feeling good about that. I uh, purchased some uh, tickets to see the uh, farewell tour of Kiss, the uh, sixth or seventh farewell tour. <laughs> So hopefully this is the last one, but, um, you know, if it's not, it is what it is. At least I'm going to go see Kiss. Me and my wife are going to go check him out. That's awesome. Um, side note, I, I actually remember probably in first or second grade, my dad coming to school and getting me dismissed and bringing me to a record store to meet Kiss. Wow. And uh, That's awesome. so, you know, I've shaken all their hands, got their autographs, and Stuff like that. I remember being super shy. I remember them cutting off the line while I was waiting in line. And my dad basically using me as like a tool to get us inside the store. Like, oh, I brought my kid here. He's so little. Do you want him to cry? (laughs) And like stuff like that. And uh, the security guard actually like lifted the rail and let uh, us go in and probably, you know, made the rest of the line want to, uh, you know, (laughs) <laughs> do bad things to us yeah meet you in the parking yeah. lot afterwards <laughs> yeah. brother <laughs> yeah it was uh pretty crazy but man i remember that whole day and uh it was super cool so if you ever get the chance to really you know make your kids uh day like that that's the kind of thing that they're always going to remember and i'll always remember my dad doing that for me 
So it'll be cool to actually go see them. I haven't seen them, you know, play. So I'm super stoked for that, dude. Yeah. It's Kiss. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I am. So yeah, excited about that. Um, in other news, like Disney Plus announced uh, some of the stuff that they're gonna do. But they announced that it's their streaming service is gonna be called Disney Plus, and um, they announced basically. A couple of the original programs that they're going to run. They're basically going to do, you know, some Star Wars uh, original TV shows and uh, a couple other ones really in the beginning stages of what they're announcing and stuff like that. But it should be good. I'm interested to see what the price point is. There's so many different between DC and Disney and all these new streaming services coming out. I mean, you could be right back into a cable bill if you start adding all these streaming services. So it's really going to be pick your battle type deal. Like. What I'm you really like more. Yeah, I'm really on the fence about Disney just because I buy a lot of the Marvel movies and the Star Wars movies. Like I those are the few movies I still run out and buy. Yeah. So do I need to have that instantly on a streaming app? And not so much right now, but if they can really blow me away with their original content, we'll see what happens, you know? And yeah. Netflix might get the boot <laughs> who's been in this house for a long time. Yeah. I don't know, you know. Mm-hmm. DC, um, Obviously, we talked about doing their own thing as well. Not as successful as Disney. But, you know, they're doing a lot of shows, too, where they're going to be on the list of, like, okay, I, I got six streaming services, and I can pick two, you know? So yeah. which two am I going to pick? Who's know? on the chopping block? And it's cool because you can dump them month to month and, and pick something else. So you could actually, you know, ditch Netflix for a month and sign up for DC and watch all their original programming, then dump them till they bring yeah. all the stuff back. And it that might be true. one of those back-and-forth type things for me. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's basically what I got for uh, what's going down with me lately, except for one last thing that we both want to touch on, and that is uh, the PlayStation Classic. Yeah. We um, mentioned last week that, you know, we got the full lineup, and I got to tell you, man, I think it's a killer lineup. Obviously, when you get a classic system, there's going to be some games on it that you're not really into. But I love the concept of uh, classic games and the you know these classic game systems. Do I need to jump on every single one? Like no, I don't need a you know classic in television or you know stuff like that. But PlayStation's definitely on the list, and I dig that they're doing this kind of stuff. I think it's really cool. I think it's convenient. I can have um, you know all my main gaming stuff in one part of the house and have all the classics hooked, hooked upstairs in the living room where you know i can play with my kids or you know the wife when we're just sitting on the couch and we don't want to go downstairs to the gaming area you can have all that stuff hooked up in a separate area where you can just sit down and play your classic games real quick and there's enough good stuff where you don't need all 100 of your playstation games right there you could rip through one of these 20 games and have a good time absolutely and it actually like motivated me to do a little uh, remodeling in my house. So we got rid of some stuff and rearranged one of the rooms in my house. And we are exactly going to do that. It's going to be like a kid's playroom, but it's also going to have a 32-inch TV with all my classic systems, you know, Super Nintendo Classic, NES Classic, PlayStation Classic, just for just like you were just saying, like something just to bang through, you know, and just seeing the list, I'm stoked that I pre-ordered. So... I no, think the list no is really good. No complaints for me here. Like, I saw the initial five, and I wanted it just because like, I'm a retro collector, and this is cool. But then when they released the 20, I was like, yep. What are your favorite games on the list? 
Um, some that like pointed out to me was Battle Arena Toshiden. I loved playing that game back in the day. Uh, Destruction Derby, Oddworld, Abe's Odyssey, and probably the best game for me, Super Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo. So you were really into some of the obscure games that they put on there and uh, yeah. the diehard PlayStation player. You know, somebody like me, um, I uh, definitely did more of the mainstream games on uh, PlayStation Classic. Tony Hawk, Dave Mira, and uh, if you want, I mean, we could jump into what games we would have on the PlayStation Classic and, you know, kind of bang through some of the stuff maybe that they missed or stuff that they got that we were super excited about. What do you think about that? So how how about we do it like this? So you can... PlayStation comes out with this idea. You can make your own classic system, but you got to pick 20 games. So let's do it. Ian Wilson, here's your, like, you have the library. What would your 20 games be? Well, I have to tell you right off the bat, I'm going to have quite a few of the games that they already had on there. That's cool because they're some good games. These would be in no particular order because some games I like more than others, and some games would kind of be filler for me. But right off the bat, if I could pick any 20 games, if I'm on PlayStation.com and they're like, all right, here's your PlayStation Classic, it's blank. Load whatever 20 games you want onto it, which is a super great idea, PlayStation. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you want to make some money. At WPC Smash, we came up with that. <laughs> yeah, copyright that up. Man, I'm going to tell you right off the bat, um, first thing that comes to my head is Metal Gear Solid. I got to have some Metal Gear Solid on it, which it does. That's huge. Um, Tekken 3, need a fighter. Yep. You got, you're building a classic gaming system. You got to have a fighter. And for me on PlayStation, it's definitely Tekken 3. Got to have a racing game. Gran Turismo 2, for me, that's yep. that's a big one. I was never a huge, huge racing guy until Need for Speed came out. And yeah. uh, I, I really like the Need for Speed games, especially the first two. You know, Underground and Underground 2 were super fun. I own them. I still play <laughs> them. Um, so I really like playing those. Um, Ridge Racer 4, on it. Another yep. great game. Didn't play that a ton back in the day, but I know that it's the top racing game on PlayStation yeah. 1. So I- if I'm building it. I had original Ridge Racer oh, on PlayStation, go. and there was a code you could do in the beginning, and you could play Galaga. Really? Yep. Oh, that's super cool. Imagine if they get that's like a little hidden Easter egg in the oh, classic right sweet. now. That'd be super cool. Um, Resident Evil Two, um, classic game. You know, Resident Evil series is great. Very similar as you go through the series. You know, you might not play every single one, and you're going to get the concept. But it all started for me with uh, Resident Evil Two. These are the games that I was really into when I played PlayStation 1, and that's going to be Cool Borders 4. Um, Cool Borders 4, I remember, you know, sitting at a friend's house before wrestling pay-per-views, and we would all take turns passing the controller, competing Mm -hmm. in uh, Cool Borders 4. Good times growing up. Definitely love that game. I own that game. You know, I don't don't buy a ton of PlayStation games. Um, I buy the games that are nostalgic to me. Yeah. Because there's so many. I mean, you could go broke just by trying to collect all the PlayStation games. But for me, there's a few games that you got to own, and Cool Borders 4 is on that list. Tony Hawk 1 and 2. I mean, that revolutionized Mm -hmm. skating. And at that time, I was skateboarding every single day. And when it would rain, we would play Tony Hawk all day. And, you know, I still love playing that. You got to have one and two classics for PlayStation in my boat. Um, Dave Mirror Pro BMX. You know, I love that game too. Again, it's a game that I actually own on my PlayStation and play sometimes. Yep. You know, I dig it. I love, um, you know, playing me some Dave Mirror. Basically, it, there's not much you can say about it. It's Tony Hawk, but with bikes. 
You know, you love it. <laughs> it's super cool. Uh, Tomb Raider, the first one, original Tomb Raider. Yeah. Classic PlayStation game. I think for most people on PlayStation 1, that's maybe the first game that they played. And if it's not, it's this next game, Crash yeah. Bandicoot. Uh, you got to have some Crash on there. Um, those two games were some of the first games that came out at launch. And uh, I think that those were some of the biggest games for me, yeah. you know, playing a PlayStation back in the day. Um, Siphon Filter. Mm-hmm. Love yep. that game. Yep. Super cool. Very Metal Gear Solid-ish. But way harder. I remember Siphon Filter being super hard. Oh, really? Yeah. I remember beating the crap out of it and just really? blowing everything up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe you knew all the tricks that I didn't Maybe, know because yeah. I remember it being real hard. Um, Twisted Metal. Twisted Metal 1. Mm-hmm. They're all good. But the first one is the game I played the most. Had a blast. You could sit down, you know, play against each other. And I liked how, you know, the computer would play in there, too. And, you yeah. know, everybody's doing their own thing. It was a super fun game, dude. I had a blast playing Twisted Metal. Spyro the Dragon, classic mm-hmm. uh, PlayStation 1 game. Got to have some Spyro on there. Final Fantasy 7. Yep. Kick off with some RPGs. I want some Final Fantasy 7, and I want Chrono Trigger. Um, nice, I nice. think that was a... That's a beautiful game. Yeah. I mean, when that came out, it was epic to watch and play. It's killer, killer game. And uh, Final Fantasy Tactics. I know okay. that's gonna, not going to be a, a popular pick. But I, I love Final Fantasy Tactics. I still play it on my Game Boy sometimes. You know, I have the mm-hmm. Advance, and I play it on my SP. And I love how at the beginning you're throwing snowballs to teach you the mechanics, and then, boom, you get into the game and rank up your guys and tear it up. I like that turn-based RPG-style yeah. game. And this was the first one that I ever played that was really like that. Well, maybe not the first one, but the first one I played on a more advanced system, you know. Yep. Um, Parappa the Rapper. I thought that was a fun game. Um, definitely more party-ish, you know, yeah. like a Mario Kart-ish type game. Playing some Parappa the Rapper, passing the controllers. And then I uh, got to have some, you know, spooky-ish games on PlayStation. <laughs> I had Silent Hill and uh, Castlevania Symphony of the Night, maybe the greatest PlayStation 1 game of all time. Possibly. Yeah, uh, definitely on the, the short list of top fives for most people. And me being a person who's more nostalgic in PlayStation 1, where I'm going to pick Cool Boards 4 and everybody hates that game. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's... Castlevania Symphony of the Night, that's something that everybody's going to play and like and be like, man, this game is awesome. So, I mean, that's my 20. Those are the games that I'm going to throw on there if I can do whatever that I want with PlayStation's library. And I got to tell you, I'd never get bored with a system loaded with those games. All right. That's definitely an awesome system there. So if uh, the roles were reversed and we're creating the Mike Moran PlayStation Classic, um, I'm going to bang through because a lot of them are the same as yours. So... Um, They're the best go. games. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Uh, again, no particular order. I just started jotting them down. So, Crash Bandicoot 2. I love Crash Bandicoot 2. What can I say? Like, one was good, but two for me, I played a ton. Two, I like all cool boards, but I just remember three is like when they changed the mechanics. And I just remember Fear Factory's Edge Crusher playing that first time I jumped down the slope. And I'm like, yeah, this game is for me. Yeah. I got Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2. Again, classic. classic. Same Absolutely. same deal with me. Like one was great, but two was a whole nother level. True. Um, super puzzle fighter. As we went through that Street Fighter puzzle fighter game, I love it. Twisted Metal two. Uh, I played a bunch of that. I love the split screen aspect, like you were saying, where you could play with your buddies and the P in the controller there. Uh, not controller, you know what I'm saying? The computer. Yeah. There we go. I have um, Dino Crisis. 
I don't know oh, if you played that I one. I did play yeah. that one. Yeah, I forgot about that. Um, little RPG-ish. Tomba. <laughs> Love that game. It looked cool. I thought it was like one of a kind. Um, I do have Oddworld, Abe's Odyssey. I, I really like that game. Hi. Tekken 3, there's one of my fighters. Um, and to go with that, here's another one of my fighters. Marvel Super Heroes versus Capcom. That's when, uh, you know, they started doing the Marvel versus Capcom deal, but it was strictly uh, superheroes, I think, actually versus Street Fighter. So not versus Capcom. Yeah. Was, um, I got Final Fantasy VII because you gotta. I have Siphon Filter. There you go. But now here we go. WWF SmackDown 2, Know Your Role. Oh, Loved man. it. Played a lot of it. Yeah. Uh, a real lot of it. The creative player was always my jam and just playing the it was just like a whole different game because it was a breakthrough from the awesomeness of the n64 games but these ones just were faster and like just crazy to me yeah i think i missed uh, a lot of the place um wrestling games on playstation because i was playing all those on my n64 all right i think that uh yeah now that you say that one though smackdown too like poof. Yep. yeah loaded roster uh i have medieval i don't know if you ever played that one uh, medieval it's like a almost like a hack and slash puzzler like spyro ish but you're a skeleton with a sword cool i never played it and, but and it's, I'm sure it's awesome but it's oh, cartoony yeah. spooky you know okay. it's fun cool. i have jet moto for my racer oh yeah um i played tons of that just doing backflip you know, put it on like free mode and just having fun yep tomb raider uh, another one of my fighters mortal Kombat trilogy okay <laughs> I got to have some Mortal Kombat in my life. Yeah. I have Dave Mira Freestyle BMX. Again, probably the greatest BMX game ever. Hey. I think it's better than the sequel. Easily. Yeah. You know? I believe that. Too. And good tunes in that one, too. Great tunes. Sublime to kick it off. Like, you're not going to yep. mess with that. And then some Cypress Hill and Deftones. Like, yeah. All right. And then I have Ape Escape. I thought that game was pretty uh, pretty badass. Where that I think that made me go out and have to buy the... Um, Dual shot control with the thumbsticks. That was the reason I didn't put Ape Escape on this list because I was thinking like, oh, are they gonna, you know, because you can't play it on the. Well, my the classic, kitchen. you can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> mine comes with the joysticks. All right, and then uh, rounding it off, the final game, Soul Reaver: Legacy of Kane. Ah, uh, yep. That's 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 my classic right there. Uh, let us know what you think. You know, send us a tweet. What would you have on yours? What games do you like on ours? What games do you not like? Yeah, Let us what, know. What did we miss? Because I'm happy to, you know, get some somebody to refresh my memory of a game that I've totally forgotten about that I can jump on and, and rip up. So definitely hit us up on Twitter at WPC Smash. We want to see what you guys have to hear about all this, have to say about all this stuff. And now for our feature presentation. All right, and we got our underdog movie of the episode or week or whatever you want to call it, just our underdog movie. Um, we try to give out some movie titles that you guys can go check out, stuff that we're into, stuff that we watch. The styles are always going to change mm -hmm. depending on what you're into. And I got to tell you that uh, your pick of Hobo with a Shotgun, especially being around Halloween, yeah. was the perfect pick for underdog movie because I think most people have probably never seen it heard of it have any idea about it <laughs> yeah you know what i mean that's um, what we're here for that's what makes it an underdog movie and uh you know i gotta tell you i watched it i'm big into this style movie it's very grindhouse 
splatter. Um, I want to say slasher just because that's the easy terminology that everybody will get, but it's not really a slasher. I think it's more under like a thriller. Yeah. Because it's not like us. Like it, but it, there's a lot there. of blood and stuff like that. <laughs> so that's where it, what makes me jump to the slasher genre. But like I said, it's really not in that category. Um, I watched it, you know, got it fresh in my head. Thanks to you letting me borrow the DVD. I had, no I wasn't sure if I had seen it before just because it's one of those type of movies. But right. as soon as I saw the first scene, I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I've seen this one before. Absolutely. And uh, I got to tell you, man, I really enjoyed Hobo with a Shotgun. I can see why most people don't know about it because it was never mainstream. And you couldn't mainstream market a movie like this. So right. since it was your pick, man, I'll let you get into it a little bit sure. and uh, tell people, you know, why they should go watch Hobo with a Shotgun. Absolutely. So this movie came out in 2011. I believe it was like a um, – the origin of it was it was a trailer for the Robert Rodriguez Grindhouse double feature that they had done in like 2009, 2010, which um, were two great movies. Yeah. yeah. So, and then they were like, Hey, we can, we could do this. So pretty much here we go. Let's paint it. Um, we got a hobo. He's on a train. He's, you know, trying to get on his feet. If you will, he, he ends up in this town and it's almost mad max ish where it's just like anarchy rules. If you will, and you know there's your your head villain if you will and his two henchmen are his his sons yeah and they're pretty much just running roughshod around this town doing whatever they want whether it's hurting people killing people raping people whatever they're just doing whatever the hell they want so this hobo drugs are rampant yeah loan sharking one of the sons has hockey skates on his feet that he stomps on people with yep so Drake, who's who's the evil villain here, um, you know, he does what he wants. It's his, his, his city. So the hobo wants to become a vigilante, pretty much. So the, the point of this movie, like, he wants to buy a lawnmower so he can start mowing lawns so he can make some money so he can no longer have to be a hobo. Yeah. But when he goes to buy the damn lawnmower, the, the shop he's at is getting held up. So... The hobo grabs a shotgun off the wall and starts becoming a vigilante. Yeah, blowing people away. <laughs> yeah, like with no remorse. Um, so the Drake hears about this. He doesn't like the hobo. Um, so we're coming for you, Mr. Hobo. But the hobo befen- befriends a girl who takes him in. But then the girl starts getting attacked by the two sons. And again, hobo ain't standing for that. Yeah. So he starts, again, being the vigilante. He's messing with the wrong crowd now. He tries to bring him to the police. He realizes the police are in on it because the Drake's paying everyone off. Sure. Pretty much with their lives, yeah. if you will. And so by the end of it, you know, the Drake sends out his bad, most badass thugs. Yeah, which the, would the be hit squad, basically. The Plague. Now, these guys are awesome. And I'll just say a little bit about the Plague. Let's just say they have nooses on harpoon guns and they will put the noose around your neck and shoot the harpoon gun through the roof through the ceiling and hang you on the spot yeah like they're not messing around yeah so the the final scene you know obviously we're gonna get the hobo versus the drake um i'm not gonna go into too much detail because i want everyone to check it out but it's a pretty climactic gruesome battle at the end of the end of the movie and like you said blood guts but what's cool about it, it's not CGI. Yeah. That's what I really like about it. It's more of that old trauma-ish where I like to use it as like almost like they use clay or like 
if someone's head explodes, it's like a cake, but it looks legit. They're blood gags. Yeah. That's what they called them in oh, the movie okay. business yeah, back in the day. Yeah, it's all blood gags. Somebody gets his head cut off and it literally sprays. Yeah. Like if you were holding a you know a hose underneath the, the body and just spraying red water straight up. Right. Um, so if you're into you know some gore, this movie is definitely one to check out. We'll give you a little bit of hints of other you know kind of techniques to murder someone, if you will, <laughs> in this movie. The Drake will tie you up and swing at you with a baseball bat that has um, razor uh, razor blades etched into the bat. Yeah. Um, they'll put a manhole cover over your neck and put a barbed wire noose around your head and uh, pull your head off with a truck. And none of it's so realistic looking that it's disturbing. It's old-time blood gag. Yeah, you got to take it with a grain of salt. and You're more likely to laugh, I would think, when you're watching these some of these murder scenes just because they're so over the top. And they're meant to be. It's not supposed to be realistic looking right like it's, you said one of the brothers has hockey skates and he's just literally curb stomping people with hockey skates on like yeah pretty clever yeah you know um so check it out hobo with a shotgun dude killer movie man literally and now word on the street word on the street All right, Mike Moran, let's jump into Word on the Street. I got to tell you, brother, I think there's some cool stuff going on with wrestling right now. Um, We had a Crown Jewel pay-per-view, and like we talked about in the last podcast, we're not going to jump into the politics, but we are going to talk about what happened in the ring. There was some cool stuff going on, man. Um, Most notably, uh, Brock Lesnar came back and destroyed Braun Strowman to win the Universal title. Yeah, wiped the floor with him. It was really surprising to me how handily... Brock Lesnar beat Braun Strowman. We basically, what was it? Not even five minutes. Five F5s. Braun Strowman got one big boot in, which he landed. Uh, Brock Lesnar's eye was pretty moused up after that. (laughs) And um, And F5 outside the ring, too. That one, I was like, whoo. I thought that was cool. I was super surprised. Um, At this point, you guys listen to the podcast. I'm sure quite a few of you have heard that Braun Strowman's hurt. So I wonder if that happened before the match. Oh, yeah. And that's why they did it like that. You know, Mm -hmm. Braun Strowman was hurt. He couldn't really go. So they did the match the way they did. It made a lot more sense to me when I heard a couple days later that Braun Strowman was hurt. And I didn't hear until after Raw, which he didn't really do much either. He came out. He threw around a couple people and then ran around. (laughs) Yeah, chased chased around everybody saying Brock Lesnar is going to get these hands. Looking for um, Corbin, right? Baron Corbin, Yeah. yeah. So he didn't really do anything in either of those nights physical right and i actually read that it could be a serious injury like out for a year oh, or almost wow. a year yeah that's a bummer that's a big hit you know with roman being out now braun so really send in bray wyatt baby it really told me uh that you know he might have been hurt before then and that's why the match went the way it did okay to kind of you know a he probably couldn't have a real match and B, it made Brock Lesnar look super strong. So why not yep. do that if a guy's going out for a year? So I, 
if that's true that Braun Strowman's hurt, I love the booking because that's what you have to do in that situation. What did you think when you uh, you know first saw it? I thought, all right, they're pulling this card. They want to make him look strong because he's representing the WWE going into UFC. Brock, yeah. Which would be cool if he walks into the octagon with the universal title. I would have been fine with that in the first place. Yeah. I didn't hate it just because I've seen this kind of thing before. We've seen Brock Lesnar destroy people who we think are going to put up a fight with him, basically. And I really um, I wasn't surprised. But hearing the news of Braun Strowman potentially being out for a long time really made me feel okay with everything that happened. Um, the other big you know, notables, I think the match of the night was, um, you know, what we all wanted to see anyway was Shawn Michaels get back in the ring for the first time in eight years. Yeah. That was huge. Um, it was different. I watched it, and I got to admit that I, w- I did not like it. I thought all four of the guys be- uh, being Kane, Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, and Triple H, I didn't think any of them looked like crisp. Like right. they should be in the ring at that present moment, mm-hmm. let alone be in the main event of a huge super show. I I uh I hate to say it, but it was sad to watch. They are all the you know wrestlers of my childhood sitting there in the ring, and none of them looked good. Mm-hmm. It, it, they were messing up spots. Uh, Shawn Michaels threw a big moonsault to the outside, well, like he did that. Back was in the day. That was scary. It looked like he broke his neck. He basically landed face first on the ground doing yeah. a moonsault. It was quite disturbing. Mm-hmm. I thought everybody looked gassed. Um, Kane's mask fell off in the middle of the match, and then when they showed the replay for the moonsault, you could clearly see him without his mask. Like, yeah, it was slow. Mm-hmm. Um, they were doing everything slow. I, oh, it's man, just a I, bummer, but I enjoyed the nostalgia. Yeah, I definitely enjoyed the nostalgia. I was happy to see Shawn Michaels in the ring. I bet he's. I feel bad for him because I bet he's bummed out. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you. Don't come back and wrestle for eight years because you know you don't have you're not Shawn Michaels of old and that's who you want to be. Right. And then he comes back and does this show and it just reaffirms to him that because he knows he's mm-hmm. Shawn Michaels. I, if he watches this back, he's gonna be super upset. And I would be pretty sure that he's not gonna watch it back because he knew. You right. know what I mean? It's one of those things where he was like, oh, man, I wish I never did that. Yeah, I think he did pretty good considering the eight-year Sure, year absence, sure, considering. But, but towards the end, at the very end, you could even see him mouth over to Triple H. We're too old for this shit, man. Yeah, it just wasn't good. The nostalgia factor was there for me. I love that. I was excited for it. But the, physic- the physical part of the match didn't deliver. And mm-hmm. I didn't expect much from it. And if you did, you're a fool. If you think Undertaker, Kane... Shawn Michaels not wrestling for eight years and Triple H who wrestles once a year. Mm-hmm. If you think these guys are going to go out and have a five-star match, you're just being silly. You're fooling yourself. Right. So I didn't expect that, but I didn't expect it to be as bad as it was. Um, I don't want to bash it too much more because I did enjoy it. Right. I was excited to see it, but it, yeah. Overall, it was a good show, but it's not a show I'm going to go back on the network to watch. Yeah, That's I how mean, I felt. And one thing I want to say like in a kind of positive way, we know... Triple H got hurt. Yeah. And he continued the match. Oh, yeah. He's a tough dude. Nobody yeah. ever questions Triple yeah, H. That's what I'm toughness. saying. That's what I got out of this whole thing. Like, Triple H is a tough dude. And even he did his pose at the top of the ramp at the end of the night with a torn pectoral. Yep. Like, Triple H, you're a tough SOB. 
you know, speedy recovery because I like seeing him on TV even as an authority figure in the heart of NXT. And that's where I think it should stay, and hopefully it does. Um, another uh, big part of the night was the uh, finals of the Best in the World tournament where, um, you know, we were supposed to get Miz versus Dolph Ziggler, which was – the tournament was great up until that point. And mm-hmm. I think up until that point, the pay-per-view was great. The last three matches are what killed the pay-per-view for me. Yep. I thought the wrestling was great. They got right to the point. There was not a ton of advertising and backstory. And this is what happened on Monday Night Raw type st- stuff. It was just bam, bam, match, 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 match. And they were all good. Yeah. Ray Mysterio I, putting on a show, you know. The tournament. Yeah, the tournament, like you said, great. That's what I wanted to see. But as you're saying, and you were about to get into the final match, like I honestly was looking like, is this for real? Yeah. So basically what happens, um, Miz and Ziggler are brawling, you know, before the match starts, before the bell rings. Miz jumps out of the ring and uh, does a, I twisted my ankle spot. Yep. He basically can't wrestle. And they're about to award the best in the world to Dolph Ziggler and Shane McMahon interjects and puts himself in the match to represent SmackDown. Absolutely a great swerve, but it was not what I wanted to see after watching that tournament. I wanted to see the best wrestlers in the world wrestle for the best in the world trophy. I would have rather see Shane say, let's get the runner up. Let's get Rey Mysterio out here. He's been representing SmackDown. Anybody else, somebody makes a comeback. That's where we see Bray, you know, all of a sudden he's on SmackDown. Uh, yeah. Anything. Bring something. up a guy from NXT. Uh, something. I thought yeah. something Here's cool. Johnny Wrestling. Boom. Yep. You know. Whatever it was. But oh, wait. No, he's doing his thing. Sorry about that. It could know. be anybody. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like anybody but Shane McMahon jumping into the match. And what made it worse is that he won. So Shane McMahon hits the coast-to-coast, beats Dolph Ziggler, one, two, three, and he runs around cheering. I, I Obviously, we're getting a Shane McMahon heel turn. Um, the way he celebrated and, you know, talked about how he was the best in the world and held up the trophy and stuff, it, it seemed very heelish to me. And from what I read on, you know, the dirt sheets and stuff like that is this was the plan the whole time. It wasn't something that happened uh. last minute. Uh, the plan was to have Shane McMahon win, turn heel, and everybody hates him because he just won the best in the world tournament. So hmm. if that's what they're doing and that's their plan, it worked because I'm hating Shane McMahon right now. <laughs> so it, it absolutely worked, and they did a good job. So, But it just wasn't what I was looking for at the end of the tournament. Everything up until those last three matches, I loved it. I was like, man, this is one of the best WWE pay-per-views I've seen in quite some time. Mm-hmm. Not – you know, if we're totally knocking NXT out of the way because their pay-per-views <laughs> are five-star all day long. But, uh, yeah, so Crown Jewel, we had some disappointments. We had some good, you know, wrestling. Uh, but overall, uh, it was a mediocre show in my opinion. Yep, absolutely. So um, in other, uh, you know, wrestling news right now, that word on the street, and it's not really word on the street anymore because they officially came out and announced it is uh, the elite is splitting from the Bullet Club. Yep. So the Jacksons, Hangman Page, um, Kenny Omega, all those guys. Cody. Yep. Um, no longer members of the Bullet Club. So we got our OG Bullet Club guys in New Japan, Tamatanga and um, Bellic Valet. Yep. All yep. those guys, uh, Switchblade. They're going to be the Bullet Club and. The latter are going to be the elite. 
Yep. So I dig it. I don't think everybody needs to be in the Bullet Club. I think nope. it makes the Bullet Club – keeping the Bullet Club in Japan to, like, come in and do their running things with ROH and stuff, I think that makes it cool. Yep. I, I like how they're the OG Bullet Club. You know, a lot of those guys been around. The firing Squad, I think they're going by that too. Yeah, dude, I, I dig that. And I like the fact that the Jacksons and all those other guys are forming their own group and they're calling it the Elite. We called them the Elite. They called themselves the Elite. Right. They should be the Elite. You Absolutely. Know I mean? And I think a lot of it, um, just from listening to the Jacksons in 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 the this past like year or two that, you know, they and the Elite have becoming this entity – I think a lot of it comes down to a business standpoint because I know they wanted the Bullet Club like rights and New Japan's like, no, it's ours. Yep. So this is definitely a smart move. But it's also the Jacksons, the Young Bucks are still being super positive to the Bullet Club too. Yep. It's not like we hate New Japan, we hate the Bullet Club. They're just simply like you said, you know, Bullet Club, they're their own thing. We were in the Bullet Club. They brought us to where we are today, but now we're moving on and we wish the Bullet Club nothing but luck. So I think that is super cool. And the Elite... They're one hell of a squad. I think exactly like you said, it's a big marketing thing. Um, they're not making money off the Bullet Club t-shirts. I'm sure they're making the you know their percentage. Right. But their elite t-shirts that are about to come out that they own the copyrights to and they're going to get all the money to, man, these guys are about to be rich. Right. And if they weren't already, I'm sure they are. They're about to be stupid rich. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's no reason for me to think that this wasn't a, a complete we want control of our entity yeah yeah yeah. and stuff like that so i thought that's super cool another uh you know elite rumor mill thing going on is uh that the jacksons might be starting their own company and they are going to you know according to these rumors offer health insurance to their wrestlers now that might not sound like a big deal to you and me who get health insurance through their jobs normally but as we know and a lot of our listeners know you know these wrestlers are um Independent contractors, yep. meaning they pay for their own insurance. So a wrestling company offering insurance to their wrestlers as part of the contract or whatever, that's a huge deal in wrestling. And this could affect all wrestling. This could be something where if the Bucks start their own company and they're offering insurance, how many guys do you think are going to want to go wrestle for them? Right. Tons, tons, just for the insurance. Almost everybody who's not in WWE. And then when the point comes that people in WWE's contracts are up and these guys are mid-carters or lower-level guys, they're going to want to jump over there and get their insurance. And WWE might have to take notice and start offering their wrestlers insurance so that people aren't jumping ship. Yeah, this could be like a revolution almost, to be honest. Yeah, if this is real, this could totally change the wrestling business. and For good. Like, yeah. That's a very awesome reason to change. The guy should get insurance. I mean, that's that's how it works. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, you work for somebody, you should get insurance. And I get the independent contractor thing. But I really have a feeling that this is going to uh, be a tidal wave through the wrestling business and that things are about to change. So I thought that that was really cool, man. Um WrestleMania tickets. Whew. They the uh packages went on sale last week. Yep. And everybody's jumping on those from all over the world, you know, that need to fly in and 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 get their packages together and stuff like that where you can just pay one price and you get to go see everything and do everything. And what some of you may or may not know is that 
Your hosts at WPC Smash, Mike Moran and Ian Wilson, will also be at WrestleMania. That's right, baby. And, uh, you know, we have uh, purchased uh, the hotel room. How long ago did you get it? Oh, I got it a year to the date. A year? Uh, April 7th is when I booked my hotel. Yep. So well, Our we, hotel. Yeah, we are, we're going. We got our hotel room booked. We're and doing the, it on our terms. And the actual day <laughs> that... Uh, you know, regular tickets go on sale where you can purchase tickets to the individual events is coming up next yep. week. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, 15th. Six days away, something like that. That's right. So this is huge for us, man. Um, I'm super excited to go to WrestleMania. I've never been. And this is going to be revolutionary for us, for mm-hmm. the podcast. And it's been a lifelong dream, lifelong goal of mine. So I have told Ian, like, dude, when we're there, sorry, but I'm going to fanboy out because this is six-year-old Mike Moran up to 32-year-old Mike Moran. All my emotions and feelings and love and time I've spent watching wrestling, talking about wrestling, playing wrestling video games, wrestling in the backyard, immortalizing the people that we watch on TV each week. Now we get to go to the show of shows, and I'm going to just lose my mind pretty much and have such a good time and not even just going to the show which is obviously the creme de la creme of the week but we're going there for four days and there's other stuff that we're going to do yeah there's access there's nxt which that might very well be the actual creme de la creme of the week because we've talked about how much we love those nxt shows but we're also going to just be in new york so the the sky's the limit but, Independent shows galore, yep. signings, conventions, WrestleCon, um, the Hall of Fame. There's so many things we can do. We're gonna we're there for four days, so we're gonna do as much as we can. We're gonna spread the word of WPC Smash all over town, and uh, hopefully, you guys will uh, you know support us in the, the this endeavor, and you know retweet us and post our pictures that we're sending out and there's going to be we're going to blast social media with all the cool stuff that we're doing and seeing i'm stoked dude i don't think i it's five months away and i'm so excited right now it's like like you said like eight to 32 year old and like all the christmases set up into one like i'm so excited to ask santa in four months for this (laughs) (laughs) and maybe a month later it will come like that's where i'm at at this point like i'm already like planning out my list um so with all that stuff going on what's the thing that you are most excited about or is there a wrestler at Hmm. access that you want to meet somebody that you want to shake his hand more than anybody else in the world hulk hogan you want to shake Hulk Hogan's hand? Yes, I do. I think that would be I, that's that possibility is on the table now. Yep. I uh, or Shawn Michaels, those yeah, are the two. Shawn Michaels for me, dude. Um, Hulk, yeah, you're right. Hulk Hogan or Shawn Michaels, Stone Cold. Yeah, on that list. But uh, I've seen Stone Cold like from like five, ten feet away. I've never even been near Shawn Michaels or Hulk Hogan. You know what I mean? So that's sure. like, yeah, man, and just. For me, like that would be super cool. Shaking these guys' hand, getting an autograph to go in the in the man town. That's obviously elite level shit right there. But being in WrestleMania when those fireworks go off at the beginning of the show, yeah, what, man, WrestleMania. I'm getting chills right now. Yeah, WrestleManias are whether you like the show or not, they are like historic events, and I will always go back and watch any WrestleMania because they're always so the show of shows of the year. And there's something on each WrestleMania, at least, that interests you enough to want to watch it. And will be etched in the history books. 
Yeah, like, man. We've been to Night of Champions. We've been to Monday Night Raw. We've been to SmackDown. Yeah, we're technically etched in the history books, but not this way. No. I mean, telling people that you went to WrestleMania is like telling people you went to the Super Bowl or the World yeah. Series. Like, it's something you're going to talk about for the rest of your life. So having this opportunity, I'm excited. And uh, I got to tell you, man, this uh, five months are going to drag slower than any <laughs> five months I've ever dragged, I'm Won't sure. be able to sleep. <laughs> All right, man. So if if you want to uh, check out WrestleMania, tickets are going on sale uh, on the 16th. And so you basically got, you know, nine days to figure it out. Prices are anywhere from 35 bucks up to several thousand dollars. So you can get in there for, you know, 40, 50 bucks after all the BS from StubHub and Ticketmaster and all that stuff, which is super realistic and affordable. You know, you might be in the last row, but you're there. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're at WrestleMania for 50 bucks, and, and, and that's super cool. You know, Hopefully, we'll be a lot closer than that. But uh, show, when, show. when we got those tickets, we'll let you know, you know where we are and, and how close we're going to be and you know how we're going to let you guys notice us on camera. And I'm bringing my championship belt. I don't know about you, but I'll be oh, holding, that ba- holding that baby high in the air trying to get on TV. And, man, I got to tell you, I don't think I've been more excited about something in a long time. So, WrestleMania. Here we come, baby. All right, all right. Mike Moran, I'm going to kick it to you for Mike's Man Town. All right. Welcome to my Man Town. This week, uh, we're going to play a game. It's on uh, a couple different consoles, but I was... Uh, Playing it on a PlayStation 2. It's called Simpsons Road Rage. Now, Ooh, epic. I'm a Simpsons mark. I love Simpsons so much. And I also, you know, like Crazy Taxi. So when this game came out, I was all over it. Pretty much this is a game you can play and spend hours. Or this is a game, this is when I play it, is uh, when I may be waiting for someone to get ready. And I'm already ready, so I'm just going to pop this game on. <laughs> so um, you can play it for 10 minutes. You can play it for 10 hours. I think we all know how Crazy Taxi works. Um, Crazy so, Taxi is one of the biggest games of all time. So yeah. jump in. So to be in The Simpsons, and what's cool, it's like you're driving through Springfield. You're driving through all the different levels are all like the different scenes of The Simpsons. And you get all these different vehicles. Like you can drive the Canyon Arrow, or you can drive Homer's car that he created with his brother. You can drive the actual car. And what's cool is you're picking up all the, uh, you know, the residents of Springfield and like, oh, you're picking up Barney and he wants to go to Moe's or, you know, you're picking up Mole Man and he just wants to go to the Quickie Mart. But, you know, it's a time-based game, so you got to get them to where they need to go. But there's a lot of different chatter involved, which is kind of cool. You're getting all these classic lines and voice actors. So, um, like I said, pretty cool game. You may have played it, but if not, that's what we're playing today in Mike's Man Town, Simpsons Road Rage. All right, so now, Ian, we have Ian's Tabletop Tips. All right, Smashers. So this week on Tabletop Tips, I got a few things, uh, you know, to recommend to you guys. And last week we talked about, you know, the differences between uh, Pathfinder and Dungeons & Dragons and whether there really is a difference at all, (laughs) you know what (laughs) I mean, and stuff like that. So what I'm going to talk about is another piece of the puzzle, and that's uh, mini painting. And... uh, 
most people when they play Dungeons and Dragons, uh, they use miniatures to represent their characters and represent the um, the bad guys in the world, whatever, the evil sorcerer or the dragon or whatever you may be slaying at that particular moment. And uh, in our little Pathfinder game, I do a lot of the mini painting. I will uh, post some pictures on Twitter of some of my work, which I think is pretty good. You know, I'm I think not, it's awesome. I'm not the best, but I'm I'm pretty good. Somebody who doesn't paint was definitely going to think it's good, and somebody who's a professional is going to be like that guy's mediocre. So I think I'm somewhere in the middle. And uh, but I got to tell you, I really enjoy it. It's relaxing for me, and I like the fact that I get this small piece of plastic that's white you know and Mm -hmm. i turn it into what you guys see on the table so what i'm going to recommend today is the paints that i use um paints are not all created equal you certainly can get a miniature go to walmart buy a 50 cent tube of paint and paint your miniature with it there's nothing wrong with that a lot of people do it but like i said not all paint is created equal and the brands that i use i find work the best for me so um right off the bat my favorite paint band is Reaper. Um, you may be able to find it in you know, your local gaming store. I know our gaming store sells the brand Citadel, which is another one of my favorite brands, but they don't sell Reaper, so I buy it straight from their website. They're about $3.50 a bottle, and the bottle should last you a significant amount of time, unless you're getting you know black. You'll go through that a little more because you're going to mix with other colors and blah, blah, blah. But... A bottle should last you a significant amount of time. To be honest, I've gone through a color maybe once and had to buy that that color again. So it's super rare that you you know gonna need to buy a new one. But at three dollars and fifty cents, you can get a you know any color you want. The the lab um, the library is so expansive, and I like the way they set up their website because if you're looking for a red, it will you know you can head to the red section and it's going to give you a palette of colors that all go with that color red. So if you want fire red, it's going to give you the orange that goes with it and the yellow that goes with that. So you can do your highlighting and your edging and oh, stuff like awesome. that. So it makes it really easy for somebody who you know isn't an art major and doesn't you know maybe doesn't have the eye for that kind of thing that you can just be like, okay, I need red, I need some highlight colors for it, and the, you know, finer colors right at the end. The, it's still a highlight color, but a very small highlight. And it's boom, one, two, three, there's the three colors I need. It makes it super easy. I find that it is um, a paint where you can only use a couple, you know, coats and get the desired effect, whereas some of the other brands you may need several several coats to get what you're looking for and if you overdo it now it looks bad so i really find that reaper you know you need the less least amount of mixing with uh they call them retarders and thinners and stuff like that which is basically you know a chemical that alters the state of the paint so you can you know make smoother um, applications to your miniature. So I really recommend Reaper. Um, I quickly, you know, mentioned Citadel. That's the local brand that I can get at my store. I can just go in and pick something up, not have to wait for shipping and stuff like that. I do like theirs. They require quite a bit more chemical mixing, the retarders and the thinners and, uh, stuff like that. But overall, the quality of paint is great. I just don't like doing all the mixing all the time. Cause you could, you can mess it up pretty quickly if you drop too much thinner in or not enough. So it's it takes a little bit more you know experience to use uh, a brand like Citadel. And uh, I also like Army Painter. 
straight up army painter is a brand that you can get on amazon you can get a big box of all different colors fairly cheap as far as you know miniature paints go and you know it's not as good as the other two brands in my opinion but some people like it the best it's totally a personal preference i would say try everything but if you're just jumping into rpgs and you need to paint your character i would recommend either jump into reaper citadel or army painter and uh yeah man paint on oh yeah Let's go, bub. Alright, Smashers, welcome to Off the Top. And in Off the Top, this is the segment where we ask each other questions and we need to have them answered immediately, right off the top of the dome. So, this week is my pick, and I'm going to ask you this question, Ian. Who is your favorite X-Men character and why? Um, I got to jump right off the top and say that uh, uh, it's Magneto. I think he's... Although he's a bad guy, I think he's got a really cool um, power. You know, there's lots of things that Magneto can do as far as manipulating metals that you don't even think about. You know, there's metal in your body because of your teeth, mm -hmm. you know, when you get your fillings and things that you don't really think about. Um, I like the way he can manipulate certain aspects of uh, minerals in the ground because of metals. Learn now why they call me the master of magnetism. Yeah, so for me, it's Magneto for lots of reasons. And there's, I'm a huge X-Men mark, so it's, there's so much. I could jump from character, character to character and tell you why I like him. Um, but when you said it to me, the first thing that came to my head was Magneto. So right. off the top, it's Magneto. And uh, for lots of reasons that I already mentioned, there's so many things he can do. Um, well, that's excellent, man. That's why I asked that question because I know you love X-Men. I mean, we look around your room. You got every X-Men action figure from the 90s. I knew you loved the X-Men, so I thought it would be kind of tough for you because there's so it many options. It was tough because now I'm second-guessing myself. Like, oh, yeah, I like this guy that, too. That's the beauty of off the top. You just got to yep. boom. You can't do that. Can't do. Cannot stamp it. Can't do double stamp it. No erases. Cannot triple stamp it. No erases. Tough blue make it no, through. No. You can't triple stamp a double stamp. You can't triple stamp a double stamp, Lloyd. You can't triple stamp a double stamp. Mike Moran, I'll ask you the same thing. Off the top, who's your favorite X Men character? Cable. Cable. All right. Yeah. That's so, this one's a little different for me because I I like X Men, but I'm not like. Well, I wasn't like deep into watching the cartoons or reading the comics, so I fell in love with Cable by playing Marvel Capcom 2. Okay. I was intrigued by his look, very Terminator-ish, where he has the sure. arm, and so I did my research. He's a time traveler. He has a badass look. He's actually uh, Cyclops' son. Yep. You know? Um, the awesome pulse rifle. Yeah, the, for sure. And then, especially in that game, he would pull that out and you're done. So uh, small little tidbit, when I was playing X-Men figures, Back in the day, uh, in my younger years, Cable was one of the first ones that I got. Not the first one, but definitely, I would say, one of the first three. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it was one of the... So that's when I started getting those figures. When that one came out, that one was on the shelves. And Sweet. when I first started buying X-Men, he was one of the ones sitting there. So Cable is one of the first figures I ever played with as far as X-Men go. That's what pretty What really awesome. brought me into the cartoon and playing with X-Men action figures. Cable's got a, a sentimental spot in my heart to, as well, dude. So that's super that's, cool. That's definitely awesome. So going back and 
as an adult watching the X-Men series, I didn't even realize he was a pretty big part of the cartoon. Huge part. So that made me even in, like him more. So, And I always kind of like to – I like obscure things too. I didn't want to be like, you know – Cyclops, he's yeah. the leader, whatever. So, yeah, Wolverine, that's what everybody right. says. Yeah. So, boom, cable. All right, dude, off the top. So, all you smashes out there, hit us up on Twitter and uh, let us know off the top of the dome who's your favorite X Men character and why. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. All right, all right, main event time. Dude, favorite part of the episode, and we had an action-packed pod already, so it's only going to get better from here, in my opinion. I know that everybody's excited for the main event each and every week. We we hear you when you let us know, you know, which part of it was your favorite, and everybody always jumps to the main event. Mm-hmm. So keep hitting us up, keep spreading the love, um, share us with your friends, get us some more uh, subscribers and downloaders, um, rate us on iTunes or wherever you're listening to the podcast because that really helps us out. And let's jump right into it, man. ECW Heat Wave, 1998. It's been a while since we've done a ECW pay-per-view, and I know that that's one of you guys' favorites because you're always requesting ECW that's stuff. That's exactly what I was going to say. We have a lot of requests for ECW. We definitely got some hardcore maniacs out there who want to hear ECW, and I love the ECW, so let's do it. I'm glad you picked an ECW match, bro. Absolutely, man, and, and I picked one of my favorites, which was uh, Taz versus Bam Bam Bigelow for the FTW Championship match. Um, it's an ECW death match, which we found out right before the match, but mm-hmm. it, it is an ECW death match. And, uh, yeah, so Heat Wave 1998, Taz versus Bam Bam Bigelow, FTW championship match. Mike, why don't you Bob Ross it for the smashes out there? I will. Let's paint that picture. So we're going to go back a little bit. Here we go. So at Living Dangerously, Taz loses to Bam Bam by falling through the ring. Now, we've all seen that image before. I believe that was March 1st of '98. Um, a lot of controversy, you know, was Bam Bam tapping on the way down? Who knows? But, you know, then on ECW TV, Taz wearing his fanny pack admits defeat, gives Bam Bam a handshake. Now, Taz is concerned because he just lost the TV title to Bam Bam right there. So Taz wants the world title. So he starts messing up Shane Douglas, who's in the triple threat with Bam Bam. Um, they're messing up Shane Douglas because they, the triple threat, messed up Chris Chetty, who's Taz's cousin. Now, since uh, Taz messed up Shane Douglas so bad, his arm's broken and everything, and Shane Douglas is ducking Taz. He can't get a shot at the ECW title, so then Taz makes the FTW title, as you said. Uh, The FTW title, F the world, and then here we go. We are at Heat Wave 1998. Yeah, man, I think Taz and Bam Bam is one of the greatest rivalries in ECW history. Um, Not the greatest, because in my opinion, that's uh, Dreamer and Raven, but... Taz and Bam Bam, this is these this series of matches was phenomenal to me. I think these guys work great together. I think Bam Bam's the probably the best big man of all time, oh, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah. and um, 
So Taz and Bam Bam really sticks out to me. So I wanted to jump on one of their matches. Well, I'm going to leech off that real quick and just say that RVD and Jerry Lynn would be my favorite rivalry. In That's ECW. a great one, too. A lot of good matches. ECW was fully loaded. Mm-hmm. They, they, they really knew how to tell a story. And each outcome led to the next part of the story, which is exactly how wrestling should be. Mm-hmm. And some of these rivalries lasted months, years, um, you know, many years in the in the Raven Dreamer scenario. Oh, yeah. um, like you said, Jerry Lynn and RVD is still a rivalry people talk about today. Yep. You know what I mean? Who is the greatest high flyer of all time? Who's the most underrated wrestler of all time? Right. You're going to get those guys. In an ECW, it was who's the whole effing show and who's the new whole effing show. True, man. That's what they were going for. So, like you said, uh, Taz wants a shot at the injured Shane Douglas, and uh, Douglas is out for a long time. He's wearing a big brace on his arm, and he's been doing it on TV for a while. And they're trying to keep Douglas on TV because they don't want him to lose the belt or have to give up the belt. Mm -hmm. So he's doing announcing and stuff like that, and he's actually going to be one of the announcers for this pay-per-view. Yep. So um, we get... uh, Shane Douglas and Joey Styles doing the announcing for this match. And this uh, was probably one of the first times that I really remember somebody else being on commentary with Joey Styles. I'm sure it's not the first, but start to finish on the show, um, Shane Douglas being, you know, behind the commentary desk was a big deal because it was always Joey Styles' show. Right. And he played a big part. He did uh, a lot of... A lot of color. Joey just didn't stand there and do his thing, and Shane Douglas chimed in. Shane really played the role great, yep. and I enjoyed you know Shane Douglas on commentary. If if some guy's going to be out and he can't wrestle, that's the perfect way to keep him on TV, and it really worked. Paul Heyman knew what he was doing for sure. And it's cool that the champ who represents a company, he's giving you all his opinions on the wrestlers in the ring. Yep. And I think that's cool too. It has, his, like you said, calling himself uh, the uncrowned ECW championship, which is why he brings his own belt into the mix. Which was an awesome-looking orange belt. Yep, super cool. Um, basically... Taz is going after the triple threat, and he needs to go through each member of the triple threat to get to Shane Douglas. So he beats Chris Candido, and now it's time for him to run through Bam Bam or try to run through Bam Bam. Um, You know, kind of on an offshoot, triple threat, one of the greatest uh, factions of all time. Yeah. Easily, right? You had one of the best talkers of all time Mm -hmm. in Shane Douglas, one of the best workers of all time in Chris Candido, and... Arguably the best big man of all time in Bam Bam. Yeah. I mean, how do you? Right. How do you compare? Chris Candino is so underrated. Yeah. Like, we could have a whole show on Chris Candino. Like, I think he'd be at the PC right now as a trainer. Like, he's just good. Phenomenal. You know, triple threat, top notch faction of all time. And sweet name. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So Taz is getting ready to go through Bam Bam Bigelow to finally get his shot at Shane Douglas when he's, uh, you know. Coming off injury. Mm-hmm. So we get an awesome repack, uh, recap package before the match. This is um, something that ECW did really well. It wasn't BS recap. Um, they really gave you the whole story. So if you were watching this pay-per-view and you had no idea what was going on, you certainly did now. Yep. And you painted a lot of that picture, so we'll skip by you know what actually happened. But um, Bam Bam comes out first, looking lean and mean, the beast of the East. I love Bam Bam's look, dude. I like the way he walks. I like the way he wrestles. I love everything about Bam Bam Bigelow. Um, really, really huge fan. Huge mm-hmm. mark. You know, rest in peace, Bam Bam, because uh, you are missed in the wrestling business. The crowd, as usual, 
super into the match. Um, ECW crowds always were the best, especially on pay-per-view. Um, Taz comes out second and gets a huge babyface pop. Yep. Huge babyface pop. And Taz is a badass at this point, too. Absolutely. Like, he, as everybody knows, Tad, you know, eats, breathes his own shit in wrestling. <laughs> and uh, it made for better TV that he did because yep. he was that guy for real. You know what I mean? And I thought that was super cool. Joey and Shane make it pretty clear that the FTW belt is an unrecognized world title. Yep. Just really, you know, Shane is the world champion. And this match for the FTW Championship is an unrecognized title. And it wasn't just Shane, you know, playing the heel role and saying that. Joey says it as well. So they really let everybody know that Shane's the real world champion and Taz is running around with his fake belt saying that he's the champion, which really, you know, put, um, I don't don't want to say babyface, like heat, but, you know, it made... Taz really you know, sympathize for him a little right, more like right. man this guy should be the champion because Shane can't wrestle like why doesn't he have the real title blah 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 I really felt that well, he and got I, the defy authority with it too almost like well screw that I'm my own champ here we go yep I should be the champ I'm the champ so I thought that was super cool um and straight up the this is when the ref announces the match as the ECW me- uh, death match and falls count every anywhere mm-hmm. so this wasn't talked about at all before the ref, you know, holds up the title. This is the challenger. Blah blah blah. It's for the FTW Championship, and then he announces that. And Joey Styles plays it like, "Oh, that's a that's a nice little wrinkle," you know, that he didn't know that and stuff like that. So I thought that was really cool. Um, that even the announcers didn't know, you know, right. that they made it seem like this was something that happened last minute. There was no explanation for it, which I thought was a little weird. But I like the way the announcers played it as, you know, oh, my God, you know, what's going on? Why is this happening? Um, first uh, move of the match is a powerbomb from Bam Bam that Taz no-sells. Yeah, man. I mean, that's my favorite move. And he no-sells it with a middle finger. <laughs> yep, stands up, chucks in the bird right in the face. Love it. Um, classic Taz right there, no-selling a powerbomb from the big man. I, I thought it was a great way to start the match because – you know, you get powerbomb right off the bat. You're still fresh as Taz. You right. know what I mean? He's not some jobber that's going to be put down from a powerbomb even 15 minutes into a match. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he popped right up, you know, I, I felt like that was a good way to start the story. And they really, you know, they take us on a trip for this story throughout this match. Absolutely. So, um, Bam Bam is a phenomenal worker at this point in his career. And uh, Taz puts up Big Bam, uh, Big Bam Bam for a Samoan drop. Mm-hmm. Holds him. Man, that's a big dude to have on your shoulders. Yeah. Taz, you know, gives a look to the crowd and the camera. Boom, he puts knows. him down. Strong dude, man. I to put anybody that big on your shoulders as easily as he did, you know, it's no small task, that's for sure. So um, Taz tosses Bam Bam out of the ring to the ramp, and this is where you know the ECW death match falls count anywhere yep. is really going to get kicked off. Now, mind you, that's thirty-seven seconds into the match. Yeah, they're taking it right <laughs> outside the ring. These guys have no love lost. They don't like each other. Right. And Bam Bam's in Taz's way to get to the real world championship. So he'll stop at nothing. And you really believe that at this point. Um, Taz kicks Bam Bam from the ramp into the crowd. Um, tells the crowd to spread out. And then uh, throws a big crossbody. Bam Bam catches Taz in midair, who isn't a super small. I mean, everybody makes the short jokes, but he's a big dude. Yeah, he's a thick. Yeah. Thick and mofo. Catches him clean out of the air. I thought that was super cool. 
And uh, you threw him right into the barricade. Yeah, the fact that Taz jumped over the guardrail too. Yeah, you know what I mean. That was yeah, a Joey mentions uh, uncharacteristically, but I thought it was kind of a crappy reason for an EC Dub chant. Yeah, just saying, like a little too early, guys. Yeah, the, the crowd is. Um, <laughs> but they're into it. They're into it, for and sure. they're known for trying to steal the show and stuff like that. So I, I, I that didn't surprise me too much. The crowd is super jacked, like you just mentioned, and uh, it makes this match feel really huge and important. I was a little bit surprised it wasn't the main event on the card. Yeah. But, um, I mean, according to the crowd, it, it felt was. like a main event right then to me. Yep, you got some Juggalos in the crowd, some great Malenko jerseys. I made note of that. You yeah. saw them all over the place. And they were in Ohio, so that's pretty cool. One of the greatest uh, ICP albums of all time. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not even a huge fan. I like that album. I think it's cool. Um, wrestlers uh, work through the crowd using fans' chairs as rep- as weapons. Um, all the wrestlers, I, I hear one guy in the crowd saying, yeah, that's my chair. You know? and, <laughs> Made uh, that guy's day. Yeah, absolutely. So I thought that was super cool. Um, as you would expect with these uh, two guys, Bam Bam and Taz in the ring, this match is stiff as hell. All the punches look great. Bam Bam's selling is mm-hmm. exquisite. And, uh, you know, I don't want to be on Bam Bam's D this whole pod, but it's this guy blew me away in this match. I really forgot how good he really was. Until I sat down and watched this and made you know detailed notes for the podcast, right. top of the top of the line at this point, and Taz being top of the food chain already, phenomenal. Every punch looked great, and they're super basic. They're not doing hurricane runners. It's punches. That it's like look clubs real. to the back. Yeah, like, big. They're stiff. hurting each other, and I also think Joey Styles does a great job. But there's also some notes I took. Like <laughs> I like how Joey Styles have to make it clear that this place was also a hockey rink. Like, yeah. Oh, thanks, Joey. And I, but I really like how Joey Styles corrected himself on the Fujiwara armbar. He was like, oh, "I'm so sorry about that. It was a jujigatame because he had his legs wrapped around uh, Bam Bam's shoulder. Like the little subtle details like that is what I think makes Joey Styles great. I think Joey Styles is you know one of the best announcers of all time, and the fact that he did it by himself. I mean, he's easily for me, you know, top five. Mm-hmm. which is huge in wrestling. There were many companies and yeah. many announcers and lots of guys going here or there or people stepping in for a little while. So in my opinion, you know, Joey Styles being in the top five, that's a big deal. Yeah. And he could be, you know, high top five if I really sat down and thought about it. Joey Styles, it's phenomenal. A, it's a little things like that, though. Yeah, man. A smart I, man. I like the way he corrected himself as well. You know, um, you, you want to get things right and you don't want fans thinking that, you know, you're a dumbass. So to straight up, Say, uh, oh, it was hard to see from this angle, but, it, you know, the juju, it was the Juju Katami and stuff like that. Yep. Um, at this point, Bam Bam uh, throws Taz through a couple rows of chairs. I thought it was a cool spot, you know, mm-hmm. to, like, straight up throw him through, not, like, one row of chairs, but he <laughs> blasts through, you know, basically two rows and lands yeah. on the third row of chairs. Super cool. Um, Taz and Bam Bam make their way uh, to a part of the arena with cement floors. Yeah. This is where, you know, stuff really starts getting hardcore because that's a cement floor. Like, I don't want you to go out in my basement and body slam me on that shit. Are you nuts? <laughs> like, <laughs> no way, dude. We used to wrestle on trampoline. Sometimes that hurts. And, yeah. and we were hardcore if you were getting on the grass. <laughs> you, know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that, take a suplex on the grass. I'll knock the wind out of you. And these big men are throwing each other onto the cement. I thought that was super cool for them to utilize that part of the arena. Mm-hmm. And there was really a lot of room set up. So they could do things and get the cameras in there, back the crowd off so you could really see what's going on. Yeah, and, and like you said, how they can use things like uh, Bam Bam 
straight up picks up the barricade and smacks Taz with it. Yeah, and but, it's and it's not the foam barricade like WWE uses. This right. is a guardrail, it's straight actual, up metal like, guardrail like yeah, police like a, would use to separate a crowd. <laughs> like a bike rack. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, he, but Taz no sells that, which I thought was funny. Yeah. I mean, I get the powerbomb, but this, I'm like, dude, you just got smacked in the head. He just shook it off and shot the legs and went for the pin. Like, all right. I think Taz was legit pissed because he got railed in the head yeah. with, a, with a metal thing. Because he reaches up and he rubs his head and then he goes straight at Bam Yeah, Bam. straight for the shoot. Yep. Um, that was uh, a note that I had was the nice double leg right yep. after that. On the cement, you could hear Bam Bam's body thud. smack against yeah. it. Yep, big thud. Um, they're sweaty, so you're getting that nice sl- wet <laughs> slap sound. You know what I mean? Like that towel, you know, smacking against the cement type sound. I thought that was super cool. It's all about sound effects for me. Like those, yeah. that stuff really puts wrestling over the top. Yeah, you've mentioned that, like, even the way the ring sounds. So yeah. Those, even the way the concrete sounds yeah, also. That stuff's realistic, you know, because um, those are things that you recognize. Like, oh, I. That, I've slipped on the concrete before yeah, and made that sound yeah. and stuff like that. So you know how bad that hurt when you just slipped, made that sound. This dude got slammed and made that sound. So Bam Bam hit, you know, hitting the cement at that point was great. Um, Taz then uh, throws Bam Bam to the concrete again with a sweet suplex. Yeah, I have that note. It, it, that was one of the highlights of the match for me because it was – He's a human suplex machine. We know Bam Bam's huge, and Taz just made it look easy. Yeah, and it's not just your basic, you know, under the arm, arm over the shoulder suplex. You know, Taz does big throw type suplex. Right. Uh, this wasn't the T bone, but it was, uh, you know, he, however he could get a, his arms around the big man and toss yeah. him up. You know, Taz it puts guys straight up over his head. It looks sick and smooth, and even the way Taz arched his back, I had no, noted down. Like he just. He is the suplex machine, yep. straight up. That's why, you know, uh, because of things like this. He got that moniker for a reason, and uh, it sticks with him throughout this match. They both slip on the concrete walking around at this point, which, again, to me, felt real. If they're, if you're, you know, in an arena where dudes are drinking beer and soda and spilling stuff all over the places, and you're knocking out rows of chair, knocking over people's drinks and stuff like that, the ground's going to be slippery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It's not a dance. It's a fight. And if... And I've seen fights where people slip. You know, if you have YouTube, people fall down. Like, that stuff happens. It's real that you would slip on the cement like that. Joey Styles calls him out like, oh, people are dropping their soft drinks on the ground. Absolutely. And they're still doing, uh, you know, what the club in the backs. The the whole time there is just, you know, offensive maneuvers going on left and right. But then we we start to get closer. I think they realize, like, dude, we're not going to be able to pull off some stuff because it's getting too slippery. So they – they make their way back to ringside, and a huge note that I have here is when Bigelow hops the guardrail, which was a pretty smooth jump. He, I thought it was like a shoot, kick Taz in the eye. Yeah, he got him. I think it was an accident. Yeah, for sure, but because Taz is bleeding a couple seconds later, and it's not like a blade job. He's right. he's bleeding out his eye from getting booted in the face. Um, is that right? Where Taz jumps into the Taz mission? And Bam Bam sits out and turns it into a jawbreaker. Yep. I thought that was a cool counter, man. Um, Taz put a lot of guys out with the Taz mission. Mm -hmm. And for somebody to come up with a counter that I don't particularly remember seeing, um, the sit-out jawbreaker, you know, stunner style, I thought that was super cool. And I really liked the way Shane Douglas talked about it. Absolutely. It was well scouted. And like you said, Shane Douglas was like, you know, Taz may be coming after the triple threat, but the triple threat's been doing our homework on Taz. Yep, he's like, that's exactly what we worked on back, you know, over the course of this whole um, situation, knowing the match was going to come up, that they needed a counter, and that was what they worked on, and Bam Bam executed it perfectly. 
Absolutely. And then we're back in the ring and we get, once again, my favorite maneuver. We get a power bomb. Yeah. So, um, a couple, yeah. couple good chair shots before that I, I hadn't written down that, uh, I, you know, there was some brutal chair shots just before the power bomb. And I just wanted to point that out because, uh, you know, these guys, if they're going to lay in their punches, they're going to lay in their chair shots. Absolutely. And, and again, uh, like you were saying, the sound. Yeah. Like the sound of those chair shots. Um, so we're starting with the weapons, like you said. I did throw that power bomb, and I couldn't. I couldn't wait. I, I love that move. But um, huge, beautiful power bomb is the note I had. So that's absolutely. a perfect spot to be. Yeah. So then now it's time for a table. Uh, Bam Bam sets up a table in the corner, and the way he puts Taz through this was kind of brutal. Yeah, it's not your standard turn your back and go back first right. through the table. He was like, face first. Yeah, like a like a spear, a like you would throw somebody outside of the ring where they go head first through the ropes. Yeah, he basically tosses him headfirst through the table. The table gets demolished, um, basically halfway down. And I, I loved it. It was a different way to use a table in the corner than what you would normally see. And uh, Taz comes up dripping blood. Yeah, You know, that's where uh, we get a lot of uh, juice in the match and stuff like that. So I thought that was cool. It really sold that the table was brutal and, you know, it was enough to break open even the the, the meanest dude on the planet, the, the human suplex machine, Taz. Yeah. You know, he it made him feel um, not as superhero-ish, like, oh, my, Bam Bam's getting to him. You know what I mean? He's breaking mm-hmm. him down. The, the man who's unstoppable who went on this crazy, you know, undefeated streak for so long and nobody could touch him. We uh, found a way. Exactly. He's human, as you might say. You know what I mean? Um, Taz does get back up and gives a quick reversal into the T-bone suplex. That's where we finally get the T-bone from Taz. Yep. Tazplex. Yeah. Picking up uh, Bam Bam like that. I, I love it, dude. Uh, he made it look so easy. And this guy's, you know, over 350 pounds. I know they jumped weight to weight when Shane Douglas was talking about him. And I think that was kind of on purpose. You know, at certain times he made him seem lean and mean. And at certain times he made him seem big, you know. To, yeah. um, I thought that was cool. I think it was on purpose. And I think that's great commentary, mm-hmm. especially from a heel. Um, Taz gives Bam Bam a couple boots to the head. And uh, Bam Bam reverses and throws Taz out of the ring onto the ramp. Yeah, with a stiff desperation clothesline yep so know what i had there so now they're crawling on the ramp yep these guys are both tired they're both bloody um well bam bam's not bloody yet but they're both uh you know exhausted yeah. and they've been beating the crap out of each other for you know 10 15 minutes at this point and uh bam bam basically starts you know pressing the air teasing to the crowd that he's going to do uh, one of his signature moves which is pressing the guy above his head and throwing him over the guardrail into the crowd, you yep. know. He's going to turn this into a mosh pit. That was the note I took. I think Joey screamed that out loud, or maybe even Shane did. But uh, Bam Bam's going to do his thing and turn this place into a mosh pit. And I think that's one of the most, for me, signature things that ECW used to do was, you know, Bam Bam would throw people from the ring over the guardrail into the crowd. Yeah. And Mike Awesome did it, too. And that was something you would never see today. Right. And yeah. RVD would or Sabu would just springboard into the crowd. Like I love that. It really makes you part of the show. Puts you in danger. Like how how closer to the show can you get than having a guy flying <laughs> through the air at you? You know what I mean? Sure. So Taz uh, is you know he's getting ready to press Taz up into the air, and Taz reverses into a version of like a tornado DDT. Looks really good. Nice swing to it. 
And uh, he actually DDTs Bam Bam through the entrance ramp. Yeah, through the ramp. Now, this is, I think you mentioned it last week when we were talking about doing this match. This is that iconic visual that you see. If it's not from Living Dangerously, it's from this one. Absolutely. Right through the ramp. And like you said, that that DDT had a lot of momentum going through. The swing looked good. Everything about it looked great. Um, there was kind of like a state of shock. The the people in the crowd were trying to look in the hole and Oh my god. Yeah. What the <laughs> F I think he said. Just like that. Like he censored himself, but he was just so there was like uh, not like a moment of silence, but they needed some time to figure out what was going on. They bring out a referee to look at um a doctor. Yeah, yeah, and Shane's down. screaming. Oh, I have that note too. Shane is screaming, get a doctor to check on them. Well, yeah. not on Taz, but check on Bam Bam. Yeah, check on Bam Bam. Check on Bam Bam. So <clears throat> Bam Bam ends up crawling out first. Yep, both men are the, in the, the ramp, the, and Bam Bam climbs out first. The, the beast from the east. It is a giant hole in the ramp. Like, <laughs> yeah. These two big dudes just busted this place apart. Yep. I thought it was great. And uh, this is when Bam Bam's finally bleeding. And uh, I think the visual the visual of him climbing out with blood coming down his face was great. I miss blood in wrestling. I get why it can't be there, but I do miss it because it gave you that extra that extra something that you're always looking for in a wrestling match. Yep. Uh, Bam Bam's like struggling, climbing towards the ring, you know, kind of sumbering along. Mm-hmm. And Taz jumps out of the hole, basically. Like a little Wolverine. Yeah. <laughs> little, and, little spider monkey. Climbs right up, and he's so pissed, and he basically hulks up behind him, um, does his own little version of, like, hulking up, basically. Yep. And he runs after Bam Bam, and before he can Bam Bam can get to the ropes, Taz jumps on his back and applies the Taz mission. They both hit the ground. They both hit the ground, and Bam Bam, looking like he's <laughs> crawling away, if you will, the ref goes for the tap. Now, kind of controversial in my opinion. It was quick. I didn't see the tap, and I rewinded it to watch it again, and I it was just like a one tap. Yeah, it, to me it looked like, and I think that's what they were going with, Bam Bam was doing like a swimming motion to crawl to try to grab the ropes to stand back up. But yep. once he did it like twice, the ref called. Hey, he tapped, he tapped, and that's it. And you can hear Shane Douglas screaming the same things that I just said. He was reaching for the ropes. This is BS. Yep. You know, and, Shane yeah. Douglas gets so mad, he throws the monitor, storms away. Yep. And um, at, at that point, Taz uh, wins the match, dude. Yep. I, I like the way they let Bam Bam keep his heat because he can say, I didn't tap. I was yep. reaching for the ropes. Taz got the win. I like that. He keeps his FTW championship. It's his title that he brought in. Nobody else needs to carry that thing around. So I thought that was the right thing to do. And like you said, Shane Douglas freaks out, starts throwing his headset and monitor. And uh, Taz grabs a mic, yep. stands up in the corner, looks at Shane Douglas, gives him the standard uh, Taz moniker. Uh, Shane Douglas, um, beat me yeah. if you can survive if I let you. Absolutely. But the crowd says it with him because that's. Yep, Taz is a baby face now, so they're that's finishing the, deal. the thing. And um, I thought it was great, man. This match was super physical. And it told a great story. Everybody got looked strong at the end because you could say Bam Bam didn't tap. You can say Taz won. Taz is going to get his shot down the road at, at Shane Douglas when his arm's better. This, look, this was all around a great match to me. And like you said, there's moments in this match, especially the ramp, that you're going to see in highlight packages at ECW everywhere. Yep. 
If they do like, even if they did a retrospective on Taz, you're going to see something out of this match. You're going to see either the ramp or quite possibly even that cross body because that was something he rarely ever did. But they're like, hey, let's throw it in the Taz package. The no cell power bomb where he stands up and chucks him the finger. Yeah. Like if you're trying to show how tough Taz is. Yep. I mean, there's so many things you could do on that one. The, the any of the suplexes, the bammer, you know, and. Again, I'm glad you picked this match. I love me some ECW, but this was one of the it's one of the top ECW matches. It's classic. It has a little bit of everything. It has a little bit of wrestling, a lot of bit of brawling and some carnage, so. And it's great, man. That's why it's a WPC Smash main event. Let us know what you guys thought on Twitter. Hit us up if you want to hear something else from ECW or from any era or company. Let us know. Um participate in the main event with us. Uh, use um, you know pound WPC main event yeah and, hashtag that yeah perfect man main event style so speaking of the main event what do you got for the smashers on uh, the next podcast for the next podcast <laughs> I have Bailey versus <laughs> Sasha Banks from NXT TakeOver Brooklyn ooh people still talking about that match starting the women's evolution yeah absolutely it's one of my favorite matches It's it's a match you can go back to Anytime and watch. And actually, this one's a little bit different um, coming up because I actually found a link from WWE, full-length match. So I'm going to tweet that out. So Smashers, y'all can check that out. You know, I'm going to queue up the network like I'm sure all most of our listeners have. But if you don't, I'm going to send that tweet out because they got the full match because and it's ready to go. Bailey versus Sasha. Dude, that's great. So for all you Smashers out there, if you're here for the video game talk, or for another part of the podcast and you hang out for the main event, you can participate with us. And uh, so definitely check out Mike and the WPC Smash account to uh, find that link. And let us know what you guys think. Also, speaking of accounts, uh, I, Mike Moran, just opened up an Instagram account. Um, It's going to be primarily my personal account, but a lot of it is topics from the show. So you can find me on Instagram, Mike underscore Moran underscore WPC smash. Perfect, dude. Yeah. Check it out. Get a lot of pictures of uh, relevant things to the show. And obviously you can, you know, rip some of the stuff from Twitter that we put to kind of spread the love on Instagram. Yep. And uh, trying new things, trying to branch it out, trying to reach uh, our fan base the best way we can. And hey, Instagram's pretty cool. I, I dig looking at, I mean, a lot of the people I follow are wrestlers or wrestling. Everything we talk about on this show, wrestling figures, video games. I'm, I'm digging Instagram so far, but yeah, check us out there and uh, give me a follow. I'll give you a follow and check it out. Faux show. Yeah, spread that wrestling community, Smashes. It's Brain Buster time, WPC Smash. Uh, what we're doing here, as you guys all probably know, is uh, Mike's you know, playing the role of the Schwab, the wrestling connoisseur, the man who knows all. And I am trying to stump him. We like to call it the pin. I'm trying to pin Mike Moran. He's trying to kick out. We got a little back and forth trivia where you know I'm going to just try to 
to to stump Mike Moran. He knows everything about wrestling, and uh, he's he's kicked out almost every single time we've done this, and we're going to continue to do it because I think that you guys like to participate with uh, the Brain Buster. So even though you're going to know the answer right off the bat, you know, pause the podcast, send us a tweet, hit up Mike Moran on Instagram, and you know, tell him the answer before he fires it out there on you, <laughs> or before I give it, you know, the uh, the during the rebuttal. So, Mike Moran, here's your brain buster for this week. Bring it on. We always try to keep it, re- uh, you know, relevant to the main event, and today is no different. Uh, Bam Bam Bigelow had a famous tag team partner at the very early stages of his career. Who was Bam Bam Bigelow's first tag team partner? I'm trying to think of his actual name, if I'm correct. I want to say the Dingo Warrior. And uh, the one that I, I, the Dingo Warrior was a tag team partner of his, but the most famous early stages of his career, they helped uh, Bam Bam Bigelow cut his teeth, was Jerry the King Lawler. Oh, I he, knew he was down there. Bam Bam started Memphis. off in Memphis wrestling, working yeah. for Jerry Jarrett. And the first man he was in the ring with to kind of show him the ropes was Jerry the King Lawler. And uh, yeah, take down the pin for the Ooh. one, two, three. Buster. Nobody gets up from that. It looks like it's all over. Bam Bam Bigelow's first tag team partner was Jerry the King Lawler. And a smart thing for Jerry Jarrett to do is to put a a huge guy like Bam Bam Bigelow in there with the King to show him the way. Nobody knew wrestling, uh, well, maybe Ric Flair and a couple other guys, but Jerry Lawler (laughs) knew everything about... Especially in Memphis. He knew everything about getting guys over and teaching them the way and teaching them how to wrestle and how to work in the ring and how to work the crowd. If you got a big guy coming up and you want him to learn, you want him to learn for the best, and you put him in the ring with Jerry Lawler. Nice. So, so where my mindset was at, I think, and I could be wrong, but we can look it up, uh, the Dingo Warrior, Ultimate Warrior, yep. and Bam Bam got signed at WWE at the same time, but they were like put on house show loops before they actually got like polished enough to be on TV. That's where my mindset was going. Because a lot of people think Bam Bam is like straight from the 90s, but he's been in WWE, I think, since 87. So Yep. And uh, before then, he was cutting his teeth in Memphis, and that's where he learned how to wrestle. So, nice. Um, Good Jerry, one, man. Good one. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So Ian takes down Mike for the one, two, three. I love it. I'm on a little streak these days of two, <laughs> two pinfalls in a row after a sh- long streak of getting kicked out on. So I'm feeling pretty good about this. Um. Yeah, if you uh, paused and hit us up on Twitter, I hope you guys got it right, too. And if you didn't, do a little bit of wrestling history, and, and maybe someday you'll be able to beat the Schwab as well. Dude, I had a fun episode. It was a great episode. I had fun. Yeah. We got a great main event. Killer segments throughout the pod. Love the participation. I want to thank everybody for all the follows we're getting, for all the subscriptions we're getting. WPC Smash at this moment is bigger than it's ever been. Yep. And it's because of you guys spreading the love. Thank you to the wrestling community. Thank you for the retro gaming community. Yeah, talking with us, commenting on our posts, uh, replying to what we're saying out there. That's what we want. We're loving it, and I'm super happy. I love putting out the episodes, but I also love communicating with the the communities out there and that's why i went out and got an instagram too because you're out there i'm out there for you we wpc smash we want to hear from you we love it thanks a lot hashtag wrestling community hashtag wrestler uh retro gaming wpc smash loves you subscribe rate 
iTunes or wherever you are. That stuff helps us out a lot, move up the charts, and uh, let's keep growing the community, man. You got anything else for the Smashers? Nope, just a too sweet. Too sweet! You can find us on Twitter at WPC Smash or on our website wpcsmash.wordpress.com where you can find current and past episodes, a donation button, and links for iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe, brother.